In your Bibles tonight, the book of 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter number 14. 1 Samuel chapter number 14, we're working our way through this book of the Bible and we've come through these stories and we meet up with Saul and Samuel and Jonathan and an interesting thing has happened. Saul hasn't been the king for terribly long, a few years now, and Saul really hasn't accomplished much. As a matter of fact, God gave Saul a great victory where they defeat the Amalekites and God gave him an army, a group of Israelites rallied around Saul and the nation of Israel. A total of 330,000 men gathered together to fight on behalf of the nation of Israel. But when we come to chapter number 14, the Philistines are aggravated and have gathered a great army against the nation of Israel. And over the course of a time, under Saul's failed leadership, the nation of Israel finds himself with an army that has been diminished from 330,000 to 600. Among the 600 men in the military and the army, because Saul has failed in his leadership to raise up smiths to make metal and to make swords, among the 600 men that are left, there are a total of two swords. Two swords, 600 men, and the nation of Israel in great mass gathering around looking for the opportunity to defeat the nation of Israel. It's a tough situation. And in this passage of Scripture, we see the reactions of three particular people that I want to share with you tonight in chapter number 14. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 14, verse number 1. Now it came to pass upon a day that Jonathan the son of Saul said unto the young man that buries armor, Come and let us go over to the Philistine's garrison. That is on the other side. But he told not his father. And Saul tarried in the uttermost part of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree, which is in Migron. And the people that were with him were about 600 men. And Ahiah, the son of Ahitub, Ichabod's brother, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh, wearing an ephod. And the people knew not that Jonathan was gone. And between the passages by which Jonathan sought to go over into the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp rock on the one side and a sharp rock on the other side. And the name of the one was Bozaz and the name of the other, Senna. The forefront of the one was situate northward over against Michmash, the other southward over against Gibeah. And Jonathan said to the young man that buries armor, Come and let us go over unto the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. And his armor bearer said unto him, Do all that is in thine heart, Turn thee, behold, I am with thee according to thy heart. Then said Jonathan, Behold, we will pass over unto these men, and we will discover ourselves unto them. If they say thus unto us, Tarry until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place, and will not go up unto them. But if they say thus, Come up unto us, then we will go up, for the Lord hath delivered them into our hand. And this shall be a sign unto us. 
And both of them discovered themselves under the garrison of the Philistines. And the Philistines said, Behold, the Hebrews come forth out of the holes where they had hid themselves. And the men of the garrison answered Jonathan, his armor-bearer, and said, Come up to us, and we will show you a thing. And Jonathan said to his armor-bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord hath delivered them into the hand of Israel. And Jonathan climbed up upon his hands and upon his feet, and his armor-bearer after him. And they fell before Jonathan, and his armor-bearer slew after him. And that first slaughter which Jonathan and his armor-bearer made was about twenty men within, as it were, an half-acre of land which a yoke of oxen might plow. And there was trembling in the host, in the field, and among all the people, the garrison and the spoilers. They also trembled. And the earth quaked, so it was a very great trembling. And the watchmen of Saul and Gibeah of Benjamin looked, and behold, the multitude melted away, and they went on beating down one another. Then said Saul unto the people that there that were with him, Number now and see who is gone from us. And when they had numbered, behold, Jonathan and his armor bearer were not there. And Saul said unto Ahiah, Bring hither the ark of God, for the ark of God was at that time with the children of Israel. And it came to pass while Saul talked unto the priest that the noise that was in the host of the Philistines went on and increased. And Saul said unto the priest, Withdraw thine hand. And Saul and all the people that were with him assembled themselves, and they came to the battle, and behold, every man's sword was against his fellow. And there was a very great discomfiture. Moreover, the Hebrews that were with the Philistines before that time, which went up with them into the camp from the country round about, even they also turned to be with the Israelites that were with Saul and Jonathan. Likewise, all the men of Israel, which had hid themselves in Mount Ephraim, when they heard that the Philistines fled, even they also followed hard after them in the battle. So the Lord, verse 23, So the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle passed over unto Bethaven. Now this is an interesting thing, a fascinating story to me, because here on this day, God gives victory to the nation of Israel over the great mass and the massive army of the nation of the Philistines. But he uses one sword and two men with a willing heart to trust the Lord, obey the Lord, and fight righteously for what was rightfully God's. I like the spirit of Jonathan in this passage of Scripture. The Bible says in verse number 1, It came to pass upon a day that Jonathan the son of Saul said to the young man that bears armor, Come and let us go over. Tonight's message is titled that, Let Us Go Over. Let Us Go Over. The spirit of Jonathan said, We're not going to sit back and let God's people be defeated because of our complacency and faithlessness. There's an enemy on the horizon. Their numbers are great. But I will not just sit back and be idle and fail in the work of God. And Jonathan says, let us go over. Jonathan has this spirit that says, I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to be counted. I'm going to stand up for what's right. I'm going to be a man. I'm going to be a follower of the Most High God. I'm not going to follow suit. I'm not going to be like the majority of the people in my nation. I'm not even going to be like my father. 
He says his armor bearer, let us go over. Let us go over. It may be that God will bless. Let us go over. The Philistines were in great number. 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen. And the Bible says in chapter 13, verse 5, a multitude of footmen. And Jonathan says, we may only have 600 men left and two swords. And in Jonathan's estimation, 598 of them weren't worth having. (laughs) And he says, if it's just me and you, my young man, friend, armor bearer, let's go over. Do you know what God does? God blesses his faith. I want you to look at these three characters tonight, Jonathan and Saul and the armor bearer. And let's look and see what they say. Number one, Jonathan says, let us go over. Jonathan says, let us go. I love the confidence of Jonathan. Verse number one, it came to pass upon a day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man that bears armor, come and let us go over to the Philistine garrison that is on the other side. But he told not his father. What's Jonathan want to do? Jonathan says, let's go. We're not, I've sat long enough. They're gathering in great multitude. Let's go over. His faith doesn't stop. I want to pay attention for just a minute, though, to his crowd. A lot of folks have this idea that majority rules, not in the work of God. God in anybody is a majority, right? Now, folks, when we look at this story, and I consider the condition of the moment in which we live, and it's actually something that's not new. It's going on in Jonathan's day, and it's been going on for all of history. The work of the Lord is going contrary to the work of the world. The devil wants to put people in bondage to secular notions, to sinful things. The world and the devil wants to put people in bondage to things that are contrary to God's word. The world wants its young people to say yes to things that are explicitly wrong in God's word. But God is calling out among us all, among our young people, among our old people, among all Christian people, to be and have the spirit of Jonathan. Jonathan said, I'll tell you something. It's my time, and I'm just one, and I'm going to trust the Lord. Let us go over. His crowd, one armor bearer. He wasn't discouraged that he had to stand alone. I want to encourage you to stand up for Jesus, even if you have to stand by yourself. I'm encouraged on a night like tonight to come to Chai Baptist Church and to think that our young people don't have to stand alone. But they will have to stand in contradiction to the world. They will have to stand against the devil, against the wiles of the devil, against the influences of the world. And I'm praying that God will give you guys courage to do just that. Say yes to Jesus. You'll be glad you did. I'm praying in the workplace that the folks that are beyond their childhood years that are members of the Chai Baptist Church and Christians listening in to this message, that you'll have the spirit of Jonathan. Jonathan said, I'm not going to be somebody that just sits back and takes it easy when the entire world needs to hear about Jesus. I'm not going to be the kind of person who sits back and takes it easy when the devil is making inroads into everything that's righteous and holy. I'm going to be the kind of person who's going to be counted. He says, let us go over. Jonathan says, let us go over. His crowd, his confidence. What gave Jonathan confidence 
to take on a military by himself. <laughs> what gave him the courage? I'll tell you. The Bible says it. Verse number 6. The Bible says in verse number 6, Jonathan said to his young man, to the young man that bears armor, come and let us go over under the garrison of these uncircumcised. He said, it may be that the Lord will work for us. For there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. Did Jonathan say, Mr. Armor Bear, I've been watching some movies. I've learned a few tricks from Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone. And I'm pretty confident that I've got this karate chop worked out. Let's go down there and let's whoop up on some Philistines. Now that one is speared at all. What did he say? He said, it might be that God will work for us. He says, there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. What was his confidence? His confidence was not in his own ability. There's no doubt that Jonathan had practiced and honed his skills and was a man that could fight. But his confidence was not in his ability to fight. His confidence was in the ability of God to do things that were extraordinary. And if we're honest and we look at what it takes to go against the grain in our society, to stand up for Jesus, to believe and trust in the Word of God and fight the good fight of faith, if we are honest with ourselves, we understand that we can't do it on our own, but with God all things are possible. God gives us the strength. God gives us the courage. God gives us the victory. And Jonathan had the right mindset. He was in a group of people who were faithless cowards. And Jonathan on his own with his armor bearer said, You know what? I'm going to go and we're going to go. Won't you go with me? The two of us, we're going to go and we might just see God do something. Oh, I'm thankful for every person who's willing to step out on faith and just see what God might do. He said, let, let us go over. His confidence was in the Lord. He says, God's arm is not strengthened. There's no restraint to what God can do to save by many or save by few. What is it that's preventing you from taking a step of faith toward the Lord? I want to remind you that God is able, exceedingly able, to do more than you could ever imagine. Jonathan said, you know what, let's go over. Let's see what God can do. God's able. God's able. God's able. It's okay to acknowledge the fact that we're not. As a matter of fact, it's the beginning of unlocking God's strength to acknowledge that I can't handle this situation. I can't handle this burden. I can't get victory over this. But God can. God can. God can. And Jonathan says, hey, let's go over. I love the faith of Jonathan. Let's go over. Verse number 9. Sorry, verse number 8. The Bible says in verse number 8, Jonathan said, Behold, we will pass over unto these men. We will discover ourselves unto them. Here's the plan. He speaks to his armor bearer. He says, he says let's go. He says, well, here's what we'll do. We're going to go over. We're going to discover ourselves unto them. That word discover, just let me, he said, we're going to let them know that we're here. We're like, we're going to just go into their presence and say, Hey, here we are. Verse 9, if they say thus to us, he said, now listen, if they say this, here's what we're going to do. They, if they say, tarry until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place and we will not go up unto them. They said, he said, if the enemy says, just stay right there, we'll be right there. 
He says, then we will we'll just stay put and we'll see what happens. In verse 14, he says, but if they say thus, if they say, come up unto us, then we will go up for the Lord hath delivered them into our hands and this shall be a sign in us. He says, if the enemy, when we say, Peepi, here we are. If they say, come on over, come on up here. If they say that, we're going to know. That'll be a sign from God that we've got the victory. That'll be a sign. Verse number 11, the Bible says, And both of them discovered themselves and the Philistines. What did they do? They said, Peepi, here we are. Under the garrison of the Philistines. And the Philistines said, Behold, the Hebrews come forth out of the holes where they have hid themselves. They start making fun of them. The Philistines already had, had, had already become aware. Their spies had made it clear and known that there was a great group of that once 330,000 strong army was with them. They had deserted to the Philistines. They already knew that there was a great group of that uh, deserted Philistine army that was hiding out in the wilderness. And they had heard that there was only 600 men with Saul. And Saul was useless. And so with great arrogance and pride, they say, come on up here. You're coming out of the hole where you've been hiding. Let us teach you and tell you a few things. The Bible says in verse 12 that the men of the garrison, Jonathan, answered Jonathan, his armor bearer, and said, come up to us and we will show you a thing. And Jonathan said unto his armor bearer, come up after me, for the Lord hath delivered them into the hand of Israel. What happened? Jonathan said, they gave us the magic words. Come on, buddy. God has given us a victory. And God did just that. Verse 13, I love verse 13. The Bible says, Jonathan climbed up upon his hands and upon his feet and his armor bearer after him, and they fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer slew after him. At the first slaughter with John, which Jonathan and his armor bearer made was about 20 men with in as it were in half an acre of land which a, a yoke of oxen might plow. What happened? They climbed up on top of this rock, hands and feet, where those Philistines had mocked them, and God gave Jonathan and his armor bearer a great victory. Jonathan is fighting and winning, and the armor bearer's right behind him. The Bible says the armor bearer was slaying right behind him. <laughs> I just want you to know something. When Jonathan says, let us go over, when he started, he had no idea how it would turn out, but he found out that God was faithful. And I want to encourage you to do something. We need to have a warrior-like spirit as we lead our lives for the cause of Christ. Now, I'm not telling you that we need to be out being mean and fussing and fighting and having a spirit that's not pleasing the Lord. But I will tell you this, we should be standing up for Jesus. We should be telling the lost about Christ. We should boldly proclaim our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and the Word of God. We should stand and be willing to stand even alone if necessary on the promises of God's Word and believe in God. You'll find Him faithful. The crazy notions of modern society that are so prevalent at this moment are things that are new and fleeting but the truth of the word of God has stood the test of time and it will always stand choose the right path choose the Lord have the spirit of a Jonathan Jonathan he says let us go over I like that something had to be done and Jonathan said let's do it something needed to be faced and Jonathan said count me in I love that spirit I don't like the spirit of Able people, saved people, 
who know that a job needs to be done, that know that a stand needs to be taken, but they cower in the shadows because they don't want to be inconvenienced. But Jonathan said, I don't care if Dad and the other 598 Jewish soldiers are at ease in Zion or not. He says, let's go over. I like it. Jonathan says, let's go over. Number two, Saul says, Terry. Saul says, Terry. Now, Saul, all through his reign as the king of Israel, is an utter failure. It's a sad story, but there's so many things we can learn from Saul. Saul says, Terry. Jonathan says, let's go. Saul says, Terry. Look what the Bible says in verse number 2 of our text. The Bible says in chapter 14, verse number 2, Saul tarried in the uttermost part of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree, which is in Migron. And the people that were with him were about 600 men. What was the spirit of Saul? Saul says, I'm not getting involved in a fight today. The pomegranates are just now getting ripe. The Bible makes it very plain and gives us this picture of Saul, the king of Israel, the very man who should be leading the nation of Israel and gathering an army and preparing to protect what is right and holy and righteous and God's. But Saul says, Terry. I see him. Saul says, it's awful comfortable here. Saul says, I'm not having a fight here. Saul says, the food's good. The shade's right. Saul says, Terry. I want you to see some things about this King Saul. It's really sad. It's telling. In chapter number 13, in verse number 15, the Bible says something interesting. Who the Bible says? The Bible says, Samuel rose and got him up from Gilgal unto Gibeon of Benjamin, and Saul numbered the people that were present with him, about 600 men. Now, I've mentioned it already, but the army of the nation of Israel had come to a number of about 600 men. In chapter number 11, the nation of Israel had an army of 330,000. And evidence of his failed leadership was the great decline in men who were willing to fight for the cause. 330,000 had diminished to 600. The Bible says in chapter 13, verse 19, now there was no smith found throughout all the land. I've been I've read this many times the last few weeks, verses 19 through 22. And I've thought, Lord, what's this significant? Why in the world did you spend time in your word telling us about this? The army had gone from 330,000 to 600. And then God makes sure that we know, in verse 19, there, were, there was no smith found throughout all the land of Israel. There was nobody that could work a forge. There was nobody that could alloy metals. There was nobody that had the skill set to make weapons. And God says there was no smith found throughout all the land of Israel. For the Philistines said, lest the Hebrews make them swords or spears. Now the Philistines had intentionally shut down the metalworking industry among the people of God. 
They said, we don't want them to have weapons. We don't want them to be able to defend themselves. And the Bible says, verse 20, but all the Israelites went down to the Philistines. They said if they needed something sharpened, like a share or a coulter or an axe or a matic, they just went to the Philistines. The Philistines took care of that for them. When war began, the Philistine army gathered. Do you think the Philistines were willing and ready to provide the necessary weapons from the smiths and from the forges? And they'd hoard it themselves. And Saul and his failure of leadership had failed to bolster among the people of God. Oh no. When the war began, the Philistines weren't going to be passing out swords and selling weapons to the nation of Israel. They don't use it as an advantage to hurt them, to harm them, to defeat them. The Bible says, verse 21, that they had a file for the mattocks and for the coulters and for the forks and for the axes to sharpen them. They did have a file, but they had no forges. And the Bible says in verse 22, So it came to pass in the day of battle that there was neither sword nor spear found in the hand of any of the people that were with Saul and Jonathan. But with Saul and with Jonathan, his son, was there found. What's that mean? All that means is there was two swords among 600. Two swords among 600. So how wonderful had Saul's plan and Saul's methods, how wonderful had, had they become? How good had Saul done in leading? I'll tell you, Saul had got to the place where he had a great big victory. And Saul decided to kick his feet back and lay under the pomegranate tree and be lazy and sorry and faithless and more more interested in his comfort than in the work that God had clearly given him to do. And he finds the nation of Israel with 600 soldiers and two swords. Saul says, Terry. Saul was interested in Saul. Saul was interested in comfort. Saul was interested in leisure. Saul was interested in his rights. Saul was interested in what made him happy. Saul was interested in his pride. Saul was interested in his ego. Saul was interested in Saul and Saul's emphasis. Made Saul and the nation of Israel extremely weak and vulnerable. And God reminds us over and over again in the book of 1 Samuel that Saul was a failure. Saul says, Terry, you know, it's easy to get to the place where you've got what you want. And therefore, you'll just take it easy in your little corner. You'll just take it easy in your little part of the world. You'll just take it easy with no regard to the fact that there's a generation that needs the Lord. I'm so thankful for the emphasis of a Bible school. There's a lot of work and a lot of expense that goes into Bible school. But let me tell you something. It's the spirit of a John that says, hey, instead of just sitting back and taking it easy, we got a nice auditorium, we got air conditioning, we got a preacher that preaches faithfully. Instead of just sitting back and taking it easy, we've got this spirit that says, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's reach upward. Flag football and cheerleading, it takes a lot of work and a lot of expense and even risk. But it's the product of a spirit that says, let's go. 
jail ministry and seed line ministry and reaching children and reaching teens and the multitude of things that we're endeavoring to do for God and His Lord says, let's go. And if you get in the spirit that says, hey, we've done enough, we've gone far enough, that's the spirit of a soul. May God help us not to be complacent. While God has given us breath to breathe and strength, let's go over. Let's go over. Let's see who we can reach. Let's see what we can do. Let's see what God wants to do with our lives. Jonathan says, let's go over. Saul says, Terry. Number three, the armor bearer. He's my favorite character in this story. The armor bearer. The armor bearer says, I'm here. Over and over again, this passage of Scripture, the Bible makes sure that we pay attention to the armor bearer. Verse number one, the Bible says that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said unto the young man that bears armor, come and let us go over. Again and again, we meet up with the armor bearer. And Jonathan speaks in verse number six. Jonathan said to the young man that bears armor, come and let us go over. In verse number seven, when Jonathan says to the armor bearer, come and let us go over, the armor bearer says something. Verse number seven, you see it? The Bible says, and his armor bearer said unto him, Do all that is in thine heart. Turn thee. Behold, I am with thee according to thy heart. What did the armor bearer say? The armor bearer says, I'm here. I'm here. I love the spirit of the armor bearer. As a matter of fact, we see the armor bearer. When Jonathan says, let's go, he says, all right, let's go. When Jonathan says, all right, it's actually time to go, Jonathan says, here I am. When, when Jonathan says, here's our plan, the armor bearer says, whatever God's put in your heart to do, I'm here for it. Just do it. I'm here. I got your back. I'm supporting you. And I love what happens in verse 13. Jonathan climbed up upon his hands and upon his feet and his armor bearer after him. The Bible says, and they, the Philistines, fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer slew after him. I love this guy. I love this armor bearer. You have Jonathan leading the way, but I'll just have you know something. Jonathan couldn't do the work that God gave Jonathan to do if it wasn't for the spirit of the armor bearer. Every step that Jonathan took, the armor bearer was watching him, and he took the same step. Everything that Jonathan did, the armor bearer did it. And when Jonathan said, are you ready? Are you sure? The armor bearer said, I'm with you. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. You know, God hasn't put in the heart of every person to lead the charge. But I'll tell you this, every person in the work of God should have the burden that says, I'm going to be like that armor bearer and say, hey, I'm here. Hey, preacher, I'm here. Hey, church fan, I'm here. Hey, I want to do what I can do. I want to do my part. That armor bearer said, I'm here. I'm here. By the way, no one ever becomes a Jonathan or a David or a Joseph or a Moses, a leader, without first having the spirit of the armor bearer. You know where you get your leaders? You get your leaders from the folks who say, I'll be a faithful servant. And that armor bearer said, hey, look, I'm here. I'm here. I'm going to support what God's doing. I'm going to support the world, Lord. I'm going to trust the Lord. And as Jonathan was saying, he was right behind him doing the same thing. I love that spirit. Jonathan says, let us go over. Saul says, Terry. 
The armor bearer says, I'm here. I'm with you. I'll hold your armor. I'll fight alongside. I'll follow your lead. That's the spirit of the armor bearer. Let's bring this all to a conclusion. What happened? When we begin the story, the nation of Israel is in dire straits. 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen, and a multitude of footmen from the Philistines have all gathered in preparation to defeat the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel has a standing army of 600. Of the 330,000 that a few years back had fought and effectively defeated the Amalekites, there were 600 left. Masses of them had deserted and gone to live with the Philistines. Masses of them had hid out. AWOL. 600. Jonathan says, I'm not just going to sit back and be satisfied to let the Philistines defeat us once again. He says to his armor bearer, let's go, let us go over. What happens? Jonathan and his armor bearer did what they could. God gave them victory that day. It was a big victory, but it wasn't the kind of victory that they needed. What kind of victory did God give Jonathan that day? Jonathan on that day and his armor bearer, they did something great, but they slew 20 men in half an acre. Now that's pretty good for one guy and his armor bearer. But that doesn't defeat even one chariot or even one horseman. But I want you to see what happens when one person has the spirit that says, let us go over. When one person says, I'm going to do what God wants me to do. When one person stands up and is counted, Jonathan and armor bearer did what they could. And God did the rest. Look what happens. The Bible says that God caused a trembling. In verse number 15, the Bible says, And there was trembling in the host in the field. I don't know what this looked like, but I can just imagine. The host in the field began to tremble. I don't know if their sugar got low or they had too much caffeine or what. There's a trembling. It's hard to do anything when you're trembling. God sent a trembling, and the host trembled in the field. And look what the Bible says further. And among all the people, not only the host of the field, but among all the people, he said the garrison and the spoilers, they also trembled. So all the people, all of a sudden, when Jonathan does what God called Jonathan to do, and Jonathan has faith, trust the Lord, the whole army of the Philistines is trembling. Can you see them? What in the world is wrong with me? And the Bible says that then God sent an earthquake, and the earth quaked. So it was a very great trembling. It was a very great trembling. In verses 16, 17, and 18, Saul tries to do something more of his spiritual hocus-pocus stupidity. But God is at work. The Bible says in verse 19, it came to pass while Saul talked unto the priest that the noise that was in the host of the Philistines went on and increased. The, ho- the Philistines are falling apart. Verse 20, and Saul and all the people that were with him assembled themselves and they came to the battle. Saul and his few, 
came to the battle, and behold, every man's sword was against his fellow. What was happening? The Philistines had gone from trembling to fear and an earthquake, and they were so messed up that they began to fight each other. God solved a big problem. The nation of Israel had 600 men and two swords. He said, that's fine, I'll use their swords. And the Bible says that every man's sword was against his fellow. You see that in verse number 20? And the last phrase of verse 20, and there was a very great discomfiture. I love that word, discomfiture. Say that 50 times real fast. Later, discomfiture. Everybody's confused. Everybody's messed up. And they defeat and they fight each other. The Bible says in verse 21, moreover. I like that word. If you see the word moreover in the Bible, in today's term, game show terms, or TV commercial terms, but wait, there's more. He said, not only were they killing each other and fighting, but wait, there's more, moreover. He says, the Hebrews that were with the Philistines. Do you remember that great group of the 330,000 soldiers that had defected the Philistines? Moreover, the Hebrews that were with the Philistines before that time, which went up with them into the, into the camp from the country round about, even they also turned to be with the Israelites. They said, I think we'll go back to our people. That were with Saul and Jonathan. Verse 22, likewise, all the men of Israel, which had hid themselves in the Mount Ephraim, when they heard that the Philistines fled, even they also followed hard after them in the battle. So the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle passed over unto Beth-Avon. What happens? It's so wonderful. Saul and the armor bearer did what they could. God gave them a victory over 20 people in a half an acre. And God did the rest. Because of the faith of these two men and their willingness to go over and be counted warriors for God and His glory, because of their faithfulness, God worked. And in chapter number 15 of this book, the next chapter in the Bible, the number of the army of Israel is counted again. Guess how many? 220,000. Why? Because courage and faith are contagious. Courage and faith are contagious. And because John and his armor bearer were willing to say, let us go over. The armor bearer was like, I'm here, I'm with you. Follow the Lord and I'll follow you too. The armies were restored to size. And God's people were able to win against the onslaught of the Philistines. Now look, there's an Old Testament principle with New Testament meaning. What do we need? Our moment, our time in society, what do we need? We need young men and young women and old men and old women and middle-aged men and middle-aged women and Christian people to say, hey, let's have the spirit that says we'll go over. We'll do what's right even if it's tough. We'll trust the Lord. Let us go over. I'll trust God. How many of you say, I'll trust God. I'll stand. I'll speak. I'll serve. I'll fight. I'll love. I'll be counted. 
I like this statement. Tough times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men. Weak men create tough times. Folks, it doesn't have to be that way. There's no doubt that the moment in which we live is a good time. We're blessed people. But if we want to continue with good times and power and blessing from God, we can't give up our strong men and strong women and people of faith. We must have the spirit of Jonathan. If you want your children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren to experience the blessings that you have, it's going to be the byproduct of the spirit and a spirit like Jonathan that says, let us go over. When I was a senior in high school, a group of us boys from the church, at our graduation, we sang a song. It was titled, We Just Need a Few Good Men. The lyric said something like this, What this dying world could use is a willing man of God who dares to stand against the grain and work without applause. A man who'll bear the shield of faith, protecting what is sure, whose love is tough and gentle, a man whose word is sure. God doesn't need an orator who knows just what to say. He doesn't need authorities to reason him away. He doesn't need an army to guarantee a win. God just needs a few good men. Men who'll fight for freedom. Men who'll laugh and love and cry. Men who'll face eternity and aren't afraid to die. He just needs a few good men. And I pray that God will boil up in the hearts of Bible-believing Christians just like us a spirit that's contrary to that of Saul's that says, let's just take it easy and slip into heaven. I'm saved. I got my fire insurance. A spirit that's different than that. A spirit that says actively with God's grace and with God's power, let us go over. That's what Jonathan did and God blessed. I know for a fact that when one or two or three or four a church says, you know what, we're going to trust God. We're going to trust God. We're going to swallow our pride and get along, fight the good fight of faith, God's way. I'm just confident enough in God's word and God's ways and how God's done things in the past that if a group of people were determined to have that kind of spirit, there's no telling what God can do because courage and faith is contagious. I don't think Jonathan ever imagined on that day when he said his armor, let's go over. That as a result of his faithfulness, the army would be restored to 220,000. But he did. And God did. And God was faithful. Where does it start? Right here. Where does it start for you? Right there in your seat, in your heart, in your life. Now we have that spirit that says, let us go over.